0: Are you ready to go backwards? This is Way Over Our Heads. It's a Weather and Climate Podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. What is the old cliche? Two steps forward and three steps back. And we're kind of heading in that backward direction from all the beautiful weather we had that started out last week. And now it's feeling darn right cold out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we kind of didn't have a choice, did we,
1: Jim? I no, mean, we were true. so true. far ahead that we had to go backwards. I think some people are going to be unpleasantly surprised at how far backwards parts of Minnesota are about <laughs> to go. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a backslide where you will find uh, snow falling in parts of the state temperatures near to below freezing in parts of the state, I think we all might get a taste at some snowflakes and then we just kind of will remain a lot chillier than we've been. So I'm not going to call it cold because it's hard to get cold in April, but it's a lot chillier than it's been. So
0: yeah, backwards. Well, it's probably fair to say we were spoiled a bit. I think our logic, our intellect said it's going to get cold again. It is April, as you said, but you know you get teased with this stretch of unseasonably warm weather, and you kind of forget about the fact that Minnesota can be very cold in April. So I think Uh, we were. Yeah. The weather has deceived us, perhaps. Yeah. Or we've deceived ourselves. I don't know which. Maybe
1: both. It's it's our fault. I mean, we know that if we're thirty or twenty-five degrees warmer than normal. We know that even returning to normal will feel like a shock, uh, but you must have loved last Monday when it was 85 degrees in the Twin Cities. And it was hard to remember that you can't swim. You can't jump in the lakes.
0: <laughs> right.
1: They're deadly cold uh, at, still at that point, but it was, it was just a hot summer day, essentially.
0: Well, it was a beautiful day, and I know that I got outside and enjoyed it, and I hope our listeners did as well. Uh, it was a nice respite from not necessarily a particularly tough winter. I guess it, it's tough maybe less so from a weather standpoint than it has been from a, a societal standpoint on so many different <laughs> levels. But it was certainly nice to get out and about. And then the, uh, the upside, too, of it is uh, our warm streak culminated in some much-needed rains. Yeah, wasn't
1: that something? I mean, you know, at first it was like this thunder fest Monday and Tuesday. That was at least in southern Minnesota, it wasn't huge thunderstorms. I mean, the first actually, the first round was pretty rambunctious, though it didn't hit the Twin Cities Square, kind of hit Wright County and, and north a little bit, but um, just the frequency of lightning and thunder was kind of something else. A lot of window rattlers and, uh, you know, we would go multiple thunderstorms in a row for a couple hours and then you get a little break and then you get more. And none of them really produced severe weather to speak of. There was some, a little bit of hail out in Wright County. None of them produced any real damage. It was just vivid lightning, some brief heavy rain and a lot of, a lot of thunder and uh, yeah, it was an interesting, interesting set of events. And this just went on for a period of days as rain and thunderstorms kind of rotated around this very slow moving weather system, finally kind of got out of here a little bit over the weekend. And then the second round, a second storm system right on its heels moved in and has been producing rain and snow over Northern Minnesota.
0: And slow moving is kind of the key couple of words because that allowed the rain to come down, not in torrents, but in sort of a nice, gentle fashion over many hours and actually over a couple of days as well, which had to be really good for soaking into the soil. Yeah, this was one of the most beneficial rains we could have had.
1: You know, the number of downpours, there weren't that many. It would, yeah, sure, it would rain hard occasionally, but only for a few minutes in most places. And And a lot of the areas that got what you might consider to be, you know, kind of sustained heavy rain really needed it. And what we did not observe a lot of was rain just pouring off of surfaces and going right into the streams and rivers. And instead, it was just sort of soaking into the ground. You know, a lot of the streams and rivers did bounce a bit, um, recovered pretty nicely, but this was, this was a well-timed beneficial rain that affected many areas of the state that have been kind of badly in need of precipitation. Uh, Everything from near the Twin Cities, where we've merely been kind of short on precipitation, to uh, parts of western and northern Minnesota, where there've been some pretty serious deficits, and we've had drought conditions. So yeah, there's a much needed rain, and it cooled things down too.
0: Well, we should know too, that this is Severe Weather Awareness Week. It officially kicks off today. We're recording on the early afternoon of Monday, April 12th. And throughout this week, the National Weather Service will be focusing on particular aspects of severe weather on Thursday, April 15th weather permitting as they say there will be uh, a tornado warning drill a couple of them actually we'll talk more about that in just a bit and when i said weather permitting obviously if there's the threat of severe weather that day they will bump the tornado drills to friday so kenny what should we be thinking about as we commence severe weather awareness week i mean i i
1: certainly can't give all of the severe weather advice that we need, but this is the time of year where you start to remember, you have to remember it does happen here in Minnesota. It will happen here in Minnesota and it could even happen in my community. It's just reality. It's not the sky is falling and it's not that you know you have to look out because a tornado is going to hit you this year. It's just Every year we have severe weather and tornadoes in Minnesota and they vary in, you know, number and severity and frequency each year, but you never know what the year is going to hold. And that season generally does begin right around now. And if I'm sure some of our listeners recall, we actually started our severe weather season already. We had, we had warnings in the Twin Cities area and much of Minnesota on, uh, last monday and remember we can also go back to what was it
0: It march March 10th march March 10th. 10th yes yeah
1: and we had large hail reports and tornado warnings although there were no tornadoes officially confirmed and we had tornado watches out also so i think a good place to start is knowing the difference between a tornado watch or a severe thunderstorm watch and a tornado warning or a severe thunderstorm warning and we can cover that that one right here the storm prediction center issues these watches severe thunderstorm or tornado watches over large areas usually in a window covering anywhere from 4 to 10 hours and they do this when the conditions are right for severe thunderstorms and or tornadoes and remember tornadoes come from generally severe thunderstorms so any tornado watch implies the likelihood or at least possibility of severe thunderstorms as well as the tornadoes. Whereas a severe thunderstorm watch generally implies that the conditions are right for severe thunderstorms, possibly including tornadoes, though usually the chance for that latter is a little bit lower with those severe thunderstorm watches. So that's kind of the first piece. The watch. And it's again, it covers a large area. So it might cover half of Minnesota or part of Minnesota and Wisconsin. It might even cover almost the whole state. And it would go from, you know, 3 p.m. to 10 p.m. or from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. It really depends on the conditions and the time of day and where the storms are and what they're expected to do. And it's kind of a blanket. Uh, it doesn't mean that you will definitely see a severe thunderstorm. It just means that this area in general should be on the lookout for these conditions. When you are in a warning, that means that the the type of hazard that is being warned for either a severe thunderstorm, which would mean winds in excess of 58 miles an hour, or hail, or possibly both, or a tornado warning, which would be you know that violent rotating column of air that's in contact with the ground, if you're in a warning for either of those, it means that that particular hazard is near your area and possibly going to affect your area. So, you know, that a tornado might pass within a reasonably small distance of your house or that the core of large hail or damaging winds would be uh, passing within a short distance of your location. And those are usually issued in smaller areas, parts of a county up to maybe multiple counties at a time. Uh, and they usually only last, the warnings will last anywhere between a half an hour and an hour. Uh, occasionally when you've got really fast moving large thunderstorms, you might see the warning window last a little bit longer, but usually it's you know half hour to an hour. So that's the one thing you can do is make sure you know the difference between watches and warnings. And just then when you're in a warning or before you're in a warning, make sure you know what your correct precautions are. If there's a chance for a tornado or if you're in a tornado warning, you should go to the lowest possible uh, level of your home or building. And you should find as many walls between you and the outside as possible. Uh, If you, you don't have a basement, then you just go to the lowest level. And if you are, um, for example, caught outside, you try and get inside and get to shelter. So those are kind of the basics. There's a lot more the National Weather Service. Wherever you live in Minnesota, the National Weather Service will have information about Severe Weather Awareness Week uh, on their homepage. It'll be provided as a link. So you just go to, if you're in the Twin Cities area, you go to um, www.weather.gov. So it's .weather.gov, and it's slash MPX. But you could also just look up National Weather Service, Twin Cities, National Weather Service, La Crosse, National Weather Service, Duluth, Grand Forks, Aberdeen, Sioux Falls. Those are the different offices that serve Minnesota. Find your homepage and just get that information. Um, it's pretty generic information about the different severe weather hazards. And, of course, during this week, we don't just talk about tornadoes and hail. But we also talk a little bit about floods, uh, extreme heat and lightning. So it's really important. And it's kind of the only week where the information is going to be pushed at you. And as we know, Jim, then then we go to live drills.
0: (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Once the season is on. This is the dress rehearsal. Yeah, this is a
1: dress rehearsal. Once the season is on you know the the sirens are warning are going to go off at some point possibly where you live and it's going to be mostly up to you to figure out what that means the the weather service does tag on limited call to action or uh, information about what you need to do if you're in a warning but this is that would not be the time to kind of refresh yourself the time to refresh yourself is now and i think on our drill that we have on thursday the chance of a cancellation because of uh, an existing severe weather outbreak in minnesota is pretty close to zero so this is a really good time to refresh your memory and just you know oh yeah these things happen here um i here's how long it takes me to get to my basement here's how long it takes me to get inside when i'm you know doing work in the yard or if i'm down at the park here are my options if I'm at work. So that's, that's my recommendation. Do you have any, uh, kind of favorite
0: tricks or tips when the sirens go off, Jim? Well, I tend to rely on my NOAA weather radio and we'll talk about that in just a second. But, uh, yeah, I think it's great to be aware, and that's what a watch does. It tells you to be on the alert for the possibility of severe weather. So that just basically means that, you know, monitor media. If you have a NOAA weather radio, make sure you're within earshot of that, which can be very helpful. We should note too, on Thursday that uh, the tornado warning drill will take place twice, first time at 1.45 p.m., Most counties in Wisconsin and Minnesota will activate their outdoor warning siren systems. Now, we should uh, emphasize the word outdoor as a modifier to warning siren systems, because um, some people don't quite understand that those sirens were never really meant to be heard indoors, although you can, depending on where you live in proximity to a siren. But uh, you can't rely on those alone because there's no guarantee you will hear them go off when they sound. That is correct. Yeah, I mean, you know, I
1: remember when I was a kid, I was down at the beach with my mom. It was a big derecho was charging down I-94 in 1983 And so I had known because I was already, even though I was like in third grade, going into fourth grade, I already knew that these storms were coming and charging towards the Twin Cities. And we knew together, we knew that we weren't going to be at the beach that long before it would be time to get in. But the sirens went off. And so we knew, okay, that usually means you have a little bit of time for these severe weather. So, you know, you have a little bit of time, hopefully, um, when you have some heads up. So we packed up our stuff and went home and we're, you know, my brother was up in his room and he had been listening to the radio, pretty high volume. He had no idea the sirens had been going off. You know, we were fine and we were safe and we got to the basement and everything, you know, in our house was fine. But there are a lot of people who get caught off guard because they don't hear the sirens. So they don't take any action. And then the storm or the tornado, whichever it is, hits them hard and they say oh i didn't have any warning and as you point out yeah the the sirens are really to alert people who are outside to get inside and get to shelter people who are already inside have some you know they have some advantage and some protection already and they might not hear those sirens it needs something else like a noaa weather radio which has an alert function That will sound a kind of a blaring tone that will, you can't, (laughs) pretty hard to miss. Exactly. Pretty hard to miss. But yeah, it's a a good point. These sirens, there aren't enough of them and they're not loud enough to to get into your house. We just don't have those kinds of systems. So if if you can hear it from the inside, you're lucky, but that's not really what they were designed to do.
0: So 1.45 p.m. we have the tornado drill. It's repeated again at 6.45 p.m on thursday april 15th thursday april 15th and this time many counties in wisconsin and minnesota will also activate their warning siren systems again and we should point out both at 1 45 p.m and at 6 45 p.m on thursday april 15th noaa weather radios will trip as well so you have a lot of opportunities to uh, participate in this drill because you'll either hear the sirens if you have a noaa weather radio that will uh, jolt you uh, into um, consciousness, I guess, when you hear that go off. And uh, also, if you are monitoring media, social media, broadcast media, you'll hear about it as well. Kenny, I wanted to circle back to something you mentioned earlier when we were talking about severe weather. And, of course, tornadoes tend to get most of the press. I mean, they photograph well in most cases. People are, uh, are fascinated by them in so many ways. But there are a couple of other factors associated with severe weather that are underrated. One that comes to mind immediately is lightning. Yeah, the lightning is um, the biggest kind of persistent hazard
1: and killer that we have. I mean, not every year, but most years, it's light, the fatalities from lightning rival those of tornadoes and hurricanes. The difference is tornadoes are associated with a vast minority of storms. Most storms do not produce tornadoes. And we are able to forecast tornadoes reasonably well by identifying the kinds of environments that would lead to the kinds of storms that do produce tornadoes. And they tend to kind of form in swaths or swarms or outbreaks. It's pretty common that you, you don't have just one, but you have many. Lightning, on the other hand, is by definition part of every thunderstorm. And you don't need to have a severe thunderstorm to have fatal lightning So lightning is much harder to warn for because, you know, every thunderstorm produces it and we have, you know, thousands upon thousands of thunderstorms per day in the summertime, especially in the United States, and that can mean tens, thousands of lightning strikes. And so that's just, it's just too much to keep up with every single one. And it's not really practical to issue a warning every time there's a thunderstorm, but you do see, you know, golf courses will essentially do that. They will sound an alert to get people off of the, off of the courses. And, uh, there, there are some other entities that, that try and do something like that because, you know, it's just too dangerous, but for the rest of us, it's, we're kind of on our own. Yeah. Lightning is, uh, and, you know, lightning is unforgiving. You can run from a tornado and see w- which way it's moving and you can get out of its way in many cases, but you cannot do that with lightning. It, you don't have the time. Uh, if lightning is going to strike you, you get very little, if no, if any, warning at all. And it's instantaneous. And, um, and you can also be affected by it, injured by it, or killed by it without it striking you directly, which is why we say don't shelter under trees and stay away from open areas. Don't be the tallest thing around because it could strike you. It could jump from something else that it strikes and kind of short circuit the path to you. Uh, it could get you through conduction if you're you know, near a fence or near plumbing and it can get you through these ground currents, which is how a lot of people who think that they're getting shelter under trees that's how a lot of them get affected, injured or killed by lightning. So, yeah, it's an important hazard. Thanks for, me- for mentioning
0: it and bringing it up. Well, and another uh, underrated killer comes to mind, too, and that's uh, flash flooding. We often hear of flash flooding associated not necessarily with any fatalities, but um, certainly I-, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kenny, but I think as little as two feet of flowing water could potentially float a car. So that sure. means it doesn't take a lot of water going across a roadway to put you in harm's way. And then when we think about the uh, the spectacular, in terms of loss of life, instances of flash flooding, one that comes to mind immediately and one that we will commemorate the 50th anniversary of next June, was the June 9th and 10th flash flood that struck the Black Hills in Rapid City, South Dakota. 238 deaths associated with that. Now, we should also point out when I said spectacular that this was not a run-of-a-mill flash flood. This caused the catastrophic failure of a major dam and water, literally a wall of water, swept through Rapid City, South Dakota. And that was the reason for the extremely high death toll. But um, really, uh, you have to be aware of where you are situationally in relation to bodies of water And hillsides, things that could accelerate the collection of of water when there are heavy rainfalls.
1: Yeah, exactly. And also, some of the things that make sense when you're in a tornado warning don't make sense when you're in a uh, flash flood warning. So if you're in a tornado warning and you literally cannot get inside and there's nowhere for you to go, then you should probably find a ditch. Lie down in that ditch. Get as low as you can. Well, if you're in a flash flood warning, that same advice could kill you because as you know, water seeks its level and, you know, so it'll pool up in the lowest places and those ditches, those culverts, those low-lying roads, those are the ones that that start showing the standing water first. And when you have a really severe flood, like the one you just described, Jim, uh, the water might not just fill up the low-lying areas, but you might see torrents of it, you know, uh, breaching large structures and and you can have massive amounts of water released simultaneously. So yeah, flooding is another one that I think you're right. I mean, both lightning and flooding don't really, they don't have that, you know, you don't see flood chasers, even though it's always jaw-dropping imagery. Pinpointing it is always hard, you know, and it just doesn't have that, that photogenic quality that tornadoes have. And so people... Tend to pay a little less attention to them. But, you know, like lightning, floods kill a lot of people every year, in some cases, many more. Kind of depends on exactly how you're looking at it. And flash flooding is the most dangerous kind. You know, when we talk about, for people who don't know the difference, many, many years when uh, we melt our snow in the spring, that snow runs into area streams and rivers, the streams and rivers begin to swell up and they fill their floodplains. And sometimes they even overtop their floodplains and you get what's technically considered a flood. And yeah, this can inundate land and, um, and, and you know maybe even in some people's homes and buildings, you might even have water that gets in. But the process of building to that kind of flood takes weeks often and you can really see it coming and get in time to you know sandbag and evacuate flash flooding by contrast you might get the exact same effect but in a matter of hours and it happens very quickly often too fast for people to to respond and that's why it's so much more dangerous so that's why we call it flash flooding so yeah uh, good points Jim the flooding for sure is a uh underappreciated hazard. And, you know, I mean, Minnesota is filled with streams and rivers. So my recommendation is go to your favorite stream and river and just go in. You know, I used to do this in Minnehaha Creek, just to kind of remind myself, go get the water above your knees where it's really flowing, you know, find a section of that stream where the water is up to your knees and it's flowing and look at how hard it is for you to balance I mean, there's a tremendous amount of water moving past you and, uh, yeah, it does. So it doesn't take much, not just to float a car, but then to move it too. So, uh, and you get an appreciation for it once you realize that, you know, you're this, you know, organism that you're bound to the ground and moving water just a foot and a half high can take your feet out from under you. So yeah, definitely. It's an unappreciated hazard for sure.
0: Well, we will post a link to the National Weather Service information about Severe Weather Awareness Week on the Way Over Our Heads website. And Kenny, you said we're going to be taking some steps backward. There's a chill in the air today. This is Monday, the um, 12th of April. So looking forward to this week, uh, below normal temperatures for much of the state and continuing, I suppose, almost right up to the weekend, correct?
1: Right now, anyway the predominant pattern is chilly. It's April. So if the sun comes out, which it probably will later in the week, you know, we can warm up pretty nicely. And maybe if we get some southerly winds, we could get into the fifties or sixties pretty easily. But the predominant pattern is that we will be colder than what's normal for this time of year for the next seven to 10 days. Uh, most days, not every single day necessarily, but most days. And yeah, the first couple days of this week will be cold, rainy in Southern Minnesota and Central Minnesota and snowy in Northern Minnesota. And I think the snow showers at least are going to get to all of us pretty much where we'll all see at least flakes, but there could be several inches of accumulations of wet snow in parts of northwestern Minnesota along the Red River and up towards that northwest angle area and maybe even farther east towards say uh, International Falls at least some light accumulations on the grasses there and again potentially several inches in in the northwestern parts of the state but then we just stay kind of cool I mean everything I'm seeing suggests that give us you know maybe 10 days of, of pretty cool air And cool for April does mean, you know, below freezing in northern Minnesota, at least, and possibly getting near freezing in parts of central and southern Minnesota. And any weather system that comes through uh, during that period is going to have rain and snow potential. So it's a real dial backwards because, you know, remember, we had uh, heavy thunderstorms in March.
0: Right. We had 85
1: degrees. Um, One of the hottest early spring days that we've had ever recorded in Minnesota was just last week. And so now that we're pulling into a period where we could be colder than normal for several days, quite a contrast. And it's just worth commemorating Jim, that I do have my eyes on the middle and latter parts of this month, only for kind of statistical reasons in 2018, 2018, 2019 and 2020, Minnesota, each of those years, saw major April snowstorms in the middle or latter part of the month. In 2018 and 19, it was kind of right in the middle of the month. um, 2020, Yeah, it was also, I guess, the middle of the month. But anything after the 10th or so of April is kind of unusual, and uh, especially if it's in central or southern Minnesota. So we're keeping our eye on that because if we get accumulating snow in the Twin Cities, for example, that would make this one of the longest snowfall seasons on record. Because remember, we had heavy snow October 20th, almost eight inches of snow in the Twin Cities. So if we had even an inch of snow... Um, after this point, that will make it one of the top five longest kind of intra snowfall seasons on record. So, some some to pay attention to. I would say though that most Minnesotans are now safe removing their snow tires. You can start putting away those parkas. Even if you do get another couple snowstorms or snowfalls, there's you know just not much left of that season. I'd say that winter is all but over, and we're definitely heading towards spring.
0: Well, Kenny, we will enjoy the green up while uh, we can here. And we know there's a possibility of some snow on the horizon, maybe the far horizon toward the end of April, just given what we've seen over the past few years. But Kenny, always great talking with you and um, have a great week. And we'll check in with you next week. Thank you. We'll talk to you next time, Jim. This is Way Over Our Heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's climatologist. We'll catch you next time.